Hey, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Monday, July 22nd. All the training camps are here, more or less. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. You hope you enjoy the show. You should subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify now, if you dig the show. And if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, they renamed it, um, we, you can ask any question you want and we will answer said questions. Maybe we'll, uh, empty out the mailbag a little bit on, uh, on, on today's show. We'll see, um, just how much time we eat up. It's a small, shrunken, super friend show. Just myself and Ryan Wilson on. Ryan Wilson, you, uh, you were grinding on, uh, on Saturday. A lot of work. I'm the, I'm the OG super friend, by the way. That's right. Um, not a lot of, uh, not a whole lot of, uh, news going on in the NFL, is there? Not a lot. Saturday, I spent some time, um, watching running backs ahead of the Ooh. 2019 college season and the 2020 NFL draft, which is just around the corner. Well, uh, do tell. Who are you, uh, checking out? Well, uh, you may know this kid named, uh, DeAndre Swift. I have heard of him. Yeah, he's actually really good out of Georgia. But I, I also watched um, this kid, you know, Benjamin at Arizona State. There's been some talk about him, so I watched him a little bit. I watched Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin and um, Travis Etienne, everyone knows from Clemson, who's probably poised to have a big season, and J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State. So mostly big names. You know, Benjamin might be a, a sort of a under-the-radar guy to watch at uh, Herm Edwards' system out in uh, Tempe. But, uh, yeah, so I did a little of that and did a little writing about NFL stuff and not much else. I didn't watch one second of golf. You didn't? I watched a ton of golf. I know. I can't believe you squeezed it in while I run all the tennis you've been tweeting about. Uh, here's our one-star review of the day. Ray Rye says, drivel. Guys, the podcast don't have to be 45 minutes enough of your crap personal situations. Just talk football, please. You are good at that. So one-star review from Ray who says that we're good at what we do if we talk about football. Um Okay. I saw you getting high and mighty on Twitter, tweeting at someone about um, how it's hard to talk football in July. I, he said, explain to me in words why you can't talk football every day. And I said, in July, June and July, it is very tired. It is very slow. And we try and inject a little personality, fun, amusement into the podcast because it's daily. If it were twice a week, it would not be hard to do hardcore football news. But nothing – like. Since Friday, since we did the, um, you and I did an emergency Tyreek Hill, uh, podcast. We didn't I'll, save that I'll, for Monday, what? right? We're not saving it for Monday. We did an extra 30 minutes of Tyreek Hill talk just for you people. We didn't save it. And there's nothing has happened since, since, since Friday, except for maybe, uh, Joe Flacco. By the way, we're going to do, uh, we'll answer a couple of mailbag questions and do some AFC East positional battles, um, on the, on after the break here in a few minutes. Um, for now, let's talk about uh, our boy Joe Flacco. So we spent some time last week mocking Sean Wagner McGuff, our colleague, who's by the way hanging out in Hawaii and won't stop tweeting about the gym and Hawaii on his parents' dime. Uh, it's unbelievable. His parents have a house in Hawaii. If you could, have, if you could have your parents build a house anywhere in the world, where would it be? Probably Hawaii. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Um, that's not a bad. I have to give it some thought. That's not a bad place. Obviously. <laughs> it's expensive to get there. You can't go, you can't go on the weekends. Well, if you can afford to build a house in Hawaii, you can afford to get there. Yeah. I'm just saying like Sean can't just pop over to Hawaii like for a weekend trip. Like if well, he, his parents were good parents. They wouldn't let him come unless he paid his own way. He's a grown man. Is he grown? Well, 
chronologically. He, he needs to quit living off the teat of his folks, literally <laughs> and figuratively. Um, anyway, Sean, uh, we, we have been pointing out to Sean that he's going to be bowing down to our Broncos hot takes at some point in the near future, that we believe the Broncos are going to be decent. Unfortunately, our, our man Joe Flacco, Ryan, over the weekend was not dominant. Joe Flacco did not look good, did he? No, this was Saturday's uh, training camp. They, they started a few days ago. Our guy Pete Prisco was there, and now when you hear this, he'll be in Atlanta. He's all he's jet right. all over the world. Unlike Sean Wacker McGuff, Pete is actually working. But Saturday's training camp was fun. If you were following along on Twitter and you didn't care about the Broncos' offense, uh, if you were Joe Flacco related to Joe Flacco or a Broncos fan, you probably were more concerned. Um, first things first, Joe Flacco was sacked by Garrett Bowles, the offensive lineman, mm-hmm. former first round pick. That's not supposed to happen. I don't know uh, if that was clear to clear to Joe Flacco and or Garrett Bowles. Not uh, great, Bob. Not great, Bob. The defense uh, had four interceptions on the day. Justin Simmons, the safety. This is from the Denver Post write-up of, of the practice. Intercepted Flacco in the end zone, broke up a Flacco passer in 7-on-7, and later intercepted Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan played for the Browns. And last year, he, did he play for the Jags last year? He's been around. He's a journeyman. Yeah. Um, so not great for the offense. This sort of, uh, you and I both have been on CBS Sports HQ. Go ahead. Our 24-7 streaming sports network available on Apple, uh, podcast. Oh crap. I almost called it a podcast. Apple, Roku, uh, Amazon Fire Sticks, CBSSports.com slash live and any of your devices. Real sports news for real sports fans. <laughs> we were on HQ last week and the week before even talking about this offense, talking about Joe Flacco. You brainwashed me into thinking that this offense could be really good. Football <laughs> Outsiders, what's that? I'm laughing because I brainwashed oh, yeah. you into yeah. Well, Football Outsiders has this offensive line last season as surprisingly good. Top 10 in both the run and the pass, which you don't really expect after watching them play. Uh, we know about Philip Lindsay. They drafted Noah Fant, the tight end, who's going to be fast. And we know that Joe Flacco loves tight ends. Manny Sanders coming back from the Achilles tendon. And Corlin Sutton primed to have a big year. Um, so all that said, I'll continue on with, with Saturday's practice. Uh, this is the thumbs down section of the Denver Post report. Four interceptions, three by Flacco, one by Hogan. Um, Justin Simmons had two. Uh, Josie Jewell had one and Will Parks had one. Um, let's see who's, who made this quote. Here's Fangio, head coach Vic Fangio in his first year. Here's his quote after practice. Well, every interception has a story behind it. Uh, <laughs> do, do tell Vic, <laughs> but no, I'm not okay with it. You don't want to turn the ball over, turnovers make it harder to win the game. No, I don't know exactly what happened on each and every one, but we'll look at it. So, uh, yeah, a couple steps back for the Broncos vaunted offense that was set to take down the Chiefs as recently as 48 hours ago. <laughs> every interception, it sounds like a, it's like a, who's, who's, is that a Bob Seeger song? It's like, every interception <laughs> tells a story. <laughs> but there's no music, so you can't <laughs> listen to that song in practice. Right, that's right. So, uh, another like silly Broncos news, Vic Fangio has banned music. There's no music in games. And when it comes, he's not wrong. And when it comes to the point where we need to simulate crowd noise in practice, which we will do, it will be noise. It won't be music, Vic Fangio said. Noise, by definition, sounds annoying. Music sounds nice. So, <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this. Vic so Fangio is. Do you think Vic Fangio hates music or do you think he thinks that music is a dumb way to let people practice? Well, he made the point that when he's, he's been an assistant in the NFL pretty much since the mid eighties. This is his first year as a head coach. He's in his 60s, and he said in the past that when he's walking around, even during pre-stretch and trying to talk to his players, he can't talk to them because the music's so loud. And if you have you watched um, All or Nothing on Amazon Prime with the Panthers? I have not watched it. Have you? 
I watched the first episode last night. And literally it? the very first scene is Cam Newton coming to practice, plugging in his, his eye, uh, eye machine to the speakers, which is the speakers come out on this big dolly. And there are probably four, you know, human sized speakers. And he's blasting Beyonce, which is fine. But Ron Rivera can't talk. Like no one can hear him. Right. So he has to yell to, you know, someone that works over there near the speakers <laughs> to turn it down. So I understand what Vic Fangio is saying, but here's my thing I want to ask you. Is Fangio such an old school, 30 year in the league, mostly an assistant till this year, setting his ways type of guy that it's going to get in his, get in the way of his ability to coach because he's quote unquote so old school and we're dealing with all these millennials? I, I think that's a fair question because my first reaction when I hear there will be no music at practice is, Oh boy, this guy could lose the younger players pretty quickly. Um, having said that, you know, he, he's, he's not dealing with a team that's necessarily loaded with millennials. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're, I guess they are all millennials, but he has, he has like, like the leaders on that team are like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb is, you know, a younger player, but he, you know, Chris Harris, um, now Joe Flacco, you, Manuel Sanders is there. So I mean, I feel like the team might be a veteran enough team where they're not going to be mad about the situation. But yeah, it would be annoying. If you're thinking like trying to get pumped up for practice and you want to hear cool music and you want to like, you know, you want to exercise, like I prefer exercising to music versus exercising to silence. I mean, biggest, right? Biggest eyebrow raiser. The no music thing by Vic Fangio or Cliff Kingsbury saying he's letting his players take texting breaks every 20 minutes. Oh, the Kingsbury thing by far. At least with the Fangio thing, he's like the, the, the back end of that quote makes it fine for me because he's like noise by definition sounds annoying. Music sounds nice. It's not like he's a funny daddy who hates music. He's just trying to recreate the scene, like what you'll deal with in terms of uh, practice versus a game. But and by the way, this team has been terrible the last two years, so there's not a lot of wiggle room for them to be like, well, we deserve it. Right. Well, worth noting, they were 14th in, uh, Offensive DVOA last year, fifth in rushing DVOA. They need to improve in the passing DVOA, but, um, they were the one, they were one team, Ryan, the one team I think that was, uh, that was pl- top 10 in offensive and defensive DVOA halfway through the season. They finished fifth overall in, in defense. So I mean, like, as long as the defense doesn't drop off and it shouldn't with Fangio and the offense can take a step forward with Flacco, which is a possibility, um, they could be better. So. Maybe maybe the music thing will look smart in a couple of so months. So that means they have to get to is nine and seven going to get them the third wild card in that division, mm, third maybe, playoff spot in that division. Maybe the Chiefs will fall apart. I saw an interesting stat: um, Patrick Mahomes has th- had seven three hundred yard, three touchdown passing games last year. Jamie Joe Flacco Joe Flacco has eight in his career. Yeah, well, they're different players. Uh, how about the hot news that? Mike Shanahan was back at Dove Valley for the first time since 2008. 2008. They ran his ass out and they replaced him with Josh McDaniels, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a slap in the face. A total slap in the face, yeah. It's pretty crazy. I mean, who was – I'm trying to think who would – like none of the people there who are working the Broncos organization now would have been there when Shanahan got fired, right? I mean, it's basically – I don't think so because he had – I think he had player personnel control as well. I don't remember if there was actually a GM – no, he had, no, he had, yeah, he had personnel control. Right. Yeah, he was the guy. Um, elsewhere in NFL, oh yeah, uh, one more thing for the Broncos. Again, the Broncos are in training camp. That's why they're primarily in the news. Uh, Vic Fangio was asked about, uh, Drew Locke, his young quarterback. And, um, he said, uh, I think a quarterback that could change his arm angles at the position is what's needed. 
Um, all right, that's not another there. I think it's, I, th- I don't think he's far along as far as being an NFL ready quarterback as he could have been. That's what I mean when I say he's got to get ready. He's not a quarterback yet. He's a hard throwing pitcher that doesn't know how to pitch yet. The faster he gets that, the better off he'll be and will be. So it doesn't sound like Drew Locke is going to push Joe Flacco for this job. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Joe Flacco. This is more about Joe Flacco. He got him a hard throwing pitcher. I do wonder if some of that's just sort of, like I said, grizzled old, purposeful bluster, not willing to to give the the rookie any credit early on because there's really no reason to. And um, John Elway said right after they drafted Drew Locke that he's going to be vying for the backup job. You don't trade for Joe Flacco when you have John Elway's track record, terrible track record with identifying talent at quarterback, without the understanding that Flacco's going to get a chance. So he'll get his chance, and you know maybe by. October, November, we're like, okay, this is the same Joe Flacco we've, we've seen the last four or five years. And it's why not go with Drew Locke? But that would be the third straight losing season. You know, the last time they had back to back losing seasons other than 2017, 2018. Uh, Josh McDaniels? The mid seventies. What? Is that right? Yeah. They've had, you know, eight and eight seasons followed by four win seasons, but they never had back to back losing seasons prior to last, the last two years. You have to go back to the mid seventies. I'm looking at um Mike Shanahan for oh, because he went he got fired. It's pretty insane. He got fired after going nine and seven, seven and nine, and eight and eight. Like that's Yeah, that's that's some um That's what you fire a guy for? What's the the Lions coach who got fired from Matt Patricia? That's uh, some of that. I mean he was he won sixty two percent of his games with the Broncos and he went five hundred for three years and got fired. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's even crazier that John Fox won a Super Bowl. <laughs> John Fox? Didn't he win? Who was no. the coach when they won the Super Bowl? Gary, Gary Kubiak. Oh, sorry, John. John Fox has never won a Super Bowl. He's been to the Super Bowl, uh, twice. Did he go to the Super Bowl with the, when the Seahawks whipped up on him? Yes. Was he, the coach then? Was, he was the coach then. That was correct. Oh, that makes more sense. Um, uh, Josh McDaniels went eight and eight and three and nine. Yeah, you're right. He started, I think, I'm pretty sure he started six and oh that year. Yeah, they beat the, they beat uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots that year. He was smack talking. Yeah, That's when those uh, throwback brown socks, the no, yellow no. pants. They beat the Bengals on the road, beat the Browns, beat the Raiders, beat the Cowboys, beat the Patriots in overtime at home. Remember, he came out fist pumping and celebrating and like slamming oh. his his, his uh, clipboard. Then they beat the Chargers, and then they went uh, two and um, two and two and eight down the stretch. Not, yeah, let's trade. Jay Cutler for Kyle Orton and see what happens. Mm, anyway, so that's the Broncos talk. Uh, also of note, the Philadelphia Eagles brought back Darren Sproles. Who's older, you or Darren Sproles? Do you know off the top of your head? Would have to be. I would hope it's me, but I could be wrong. He is 36. Oh yeah, he's, he's actually younger than you somehow. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. I would have, I would have, I thought he was definitely older than me. Um, do you think that, uh, is this, is this mostly uh, cosmetic to you, or do you think that Sproles could actually have an impact in 2000? I mean, how deep is this? It's insane how deep the, the running back group is. Yeah, in Philadelphia, they obviously drafted Miles Sanders. Got Jordan of, Howard. Yep, traded for Jordan Howard. They uh, they have uh, – All the young sort of uh, – let's see. Corey, Corey Clement. Clement Riddle, yeah. Donnell Pumphrey, my guy out of San Diego State who has done nothing. Boston Scott, who was uh, on the practice squad with the Saints before. And then Josh Adams out of uh, the Notre Dame running backs. Yeah, they got a ton of backs. Man, don't draft anybody from the Eagles in fantasy on the running back spot. It's, it's going to be a 
They're just going to use those guys all over the place. There's just not going to be a feature back, I don't think. Um, elsewhere in the news, Tony Romo had this to say about Bill Belichick, Ryan. Mm. He's really, really special. Yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> uh, when I'm um, around him, I learned. As, as insightful as Tony Romo is, that might be the least insightful things he's, he's said <laughs> in his new job. I know. Uh, when I'm around him, I learned. Romo said at Belichick recently at 105.3, the fan in Dallas. That is really a joy when you can learn something more about football with people around. When you have people who can teach you the game after you've been studying it for 15 to 20 years, it is a joy I have honestly learned every time I'm around him, he's really, really special. I just like that that's a headline on like NFL.com. Um, one more thing in the news that, all right, bah, bah, de, 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 de. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed Devin White. Not a big deal. Um, one thing that could be a big deal that I thought was interesting from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk is that, uh, the headline is, as clock ticks for Cowboys and Zeke Elliott, Zeke plans to travel out of the country. Um, a, per a league source, Elliot currently is believed to be making plans for a trip out of the country, even though the Cowboys report to training camp in five days. Is this a bluff or a bold move by Zeke? He should go. Enjoy yourself. It's going to be super hot. I think they practice in Oxnard, which is in Southern California. So maybe that the temperature will be a little more moderate than it'll be in Dallas, but would you rather be Doing training camp practices or, or hanging out in Italy or wherever he plans on going. Or Mexico, Listen, yeah. I, look, I don't think the Cowboys should pay him, but he feels differently, obviously, and he is a very important part of that offense. There's no reason to run himself into the ground when he is, uh, he has the most leverage he's ever going to have. He's at the height of his career, most, almost certainly. See what you can get. He's in a much better situation than Melvin Gordon. I'll say that. I agree on all counts there. I will say this. Um, Although we're not, you know, not really locked in on the California locales. It'd be nice to have Breach or, uh, Breach or, or Sean here for this. Oxnard is not a long trip from Mexico. So perhaps his out of the country trip could be to Mexico for a little, uh, siesta, some rest and welfare, hang out at a resort down in Mexico. And then, you know, if for some reason the Cowboys decide to, you know, up the ante and give you some cash, you can pop across the border. Right back to uh, Oxnard pretty easily. Do you think that he'll be? It's hard to sort of tell. Um, as noted by Florio, Elliott spent an extended period of time in Mexico during his six-week suspension in 2017. <laughs> so, in other words, he could just go hang out in Mexico instead of going to Cowboys training camp. That would send a message. And I, if I'm the Cowboys, I would look at my team right now and say, you know what, we have a pretty good team. Maybe. We should just pay Zeke and just get this over with. The only issue is, and that team, the Cowboys, seem much more likely to pay a running back than any other team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Jones said as much back in the co- at the Combine. But the only issue is you have Dak, you have Amari Cooper, you have Byron Jones, you have Jalen Smith, who also mm-hmm. need to get paid. So you got to work that out. you got to give Dak like $30 million a year, too. So yep. not exactly going to be cheap, uh, a, a cheap situation. All right, let's um... – so that backfield is going to be thirty million and fourteen million a year. Yep, forty-five million bucks in two players. Could they get? See, that's the problem with Zeke too. Is I don't think you can pay like you can pay Melvin. Gordon. What's that? He ain't playing for thirteen a year. No, he's not. Ta- he's he's not taking less than Le'Veon Bell. Right. Yeah, and that's the problem. Like Melvin Gordon, you can maybe like get him to take eight or nine million a year and get get on with it. I don't know. Melvin ain't but, getting thirteen uh, million a year. 
So look, as I continue to think about this, so 45 million locked up in two players. You get to play Amari 17 or 18. So that's what, 58 million? Mm-hmm. All right. 45 plus, no, that's 62 million in three players. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's part of the problem with trading a first round pick for Amari Cooper is you've got a great wide receiver, but he's not a rookie contract. Now they can wait on Jalen Smith and, and Leighton Vander Ash and those guys, but I mean, it's, you can't keep all those guys and expect to have a, a, a consistent team around there. Cowboys opening ceremony, by the way, Saturday, July 27th. Uh, and they're then have a 3.30 p.m. practice that day. Uh, and so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, those would be the days to watch to see if Zeke Elliott shows up at 10.45 a.m. What's that? doesn't even need to be there. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's saying something if he doesn't show up. Yeah. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about some AFC East positional battles. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, Ryan Wilson and myself here kind of miss, and I hate to say it, Ryan, I sort of miss Sean's energy. Oh, I was going to say stupidity, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like it's like a little like, uh, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Um, before I say stupidity, he's probably not probably, he almost certainly is more mature than both of us. Yeah. Um, uh, here we're going to answer a, uh, couple, couple, uh, questions real quick. Let's see. First of all, this is a fantasy keeper from Bill Finnegan on Apple Podcasts. Huge fan. I've been listening for a little over a year now. I have a fantasy keeper question. 12 team PPR, Mark Ingram in the fifth, Sammy Watkins in the ninth, James White in the tenth, or OJ Howard in the eleventh. If you were ever in the Philadelphia area, check out Tonewood Brewery. Excellent beer. Thanks. Um, that's an easy one for me. 
I don't think any of those guys are guaranteed studs at their position. Um, James White in PPR, of course, is, is fantastic, but I think I would go OJ Howard in the 11th. Um, when you look at where he is being drafted, um, you know, uh, the, it's just a guy that, like, I think, I think OJ Howard before he got hurt was on the way to having a breakout season last year and could easily end up, um, being one of the top three or four tight ends this season in terms of fantasy. He's what about Cameron Braid though? Eh, I'm not worried about Cameron Braid. He's, uh, he is currently being drafted as tight end number four, 56th overall. Wait so, a second. So there's Travis Kelsey. There's who else? Uh, Ertz. Ertz and, uh, George Kittle. And then OJ, OJ, those three guys are going like really early. And then OJ I got OJ Howard is going around 56 overall. Now Mark Ingram is going 41st overall. Um, but. Yeah, I would rather have O.J. Howard in the 11th than Mark Ingram in the 5th. I don't want to dabble with Sammy Watkins now that we know Tyreek Hill is going to be back. Um, and James White, James White would be interesting. Don't you? What's that? You just hate Sammy Watkins. He's just not very, he's hadn't been very productive. No Devontae Parker, I'll tell you that. He's 25. Um, no, I just think, I think that the best value, uh, is, um, is with, is with, uh, O.J. Howard there. So I would go with O.J. Howard. Um, let's see. Uh, I want to save some of these for another mailbag when we got all of us. Uh, but kids dropping F-bombs at their fathers, cutting off your penis to win a Super Bowl, Brinson's Country Club Sports, and some occasional football talk. I listen every day, and every day I can't wait to hear how far, how far off the rails you guys go. Keep it up. My question, Marlon Mack or Carrion Johnson? I know Brinson will say, Mack, what do other Super Friends thinks? Half point. Uh, for yeah, me. you were all in Mac. Mac makes a lot of sense because I don't think that uh, Hines is the other guy they have, right? Yeah. There's not much after that. Jordan uh, Wilkins. All right. And who's the other? Oh, Carryon Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're both very close. They're both going to like the roughly the third round. I mean, the question is, do you believe that the Lions' offense will be legitimately a good ground and pound offense, and will he be the feature guy? Oh, which brings me back. Uh, let me find it real quick. Our guy Warren Sharp tweeted about this yeah. on Sunday. Uh, the Colts also added Spencer Ware, by the way, for what it's worth. Oh, when did that happen? <laughs> All right, let's see. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Here it is. Okay. Um, so Warren Sharp's books out, which I don't have. I think you have a copy of it, right? Uh, I'm supposed to have one, and it hadn't shown up yet. So I would love to have one, but I'm I'm not as important as you. So um, someone tweeted at, at Warren Sharp. Brian Schwartz is his name. It says, thanks to your preview, talking about Sharp's book, I already analyzed the Lions, and they were extremely predictable and run pass breakdowns. This is from Warren's book. Over 75% of passes were from shotgun, and over 70% of runs were from under center. That's how predictable mm-hmm. the Lions offense was. And that's why, in addition to the way he looks like a hobo, Matt Patricia drives me absolutely bonkers. Uh, Warren actually replied in the tweet, the Lions were without a doubt one of the most frustrating teams to study this past offseason. Frustration was almost entirely due to coaching. So that's something to take into consideration when you're thinking about drafting these guys that happen to play on the Lions. So. Well, that's why I would take Marlon Mack over carry on Johnson. I think they're very close, but give me the offense that I trust with the offense. You have an offensive line that you know is going to be good, a smart play caller in Frank Reich, a willingness to try and run the ball effectively, and a guy in Marlon Mack that looked like a workhorse down the stretch. So I would take, uh, in that case, I would take Marlon yeah. Mack, but it's, it's, it's very close. Carry on Johnson is very good. I, you know, either, either one of them could be in for a breakout. I think it, 
I, they're a great example of why I would go wide receiver, wide receiver early if I can, and then go running back, running back um, in the in the third and fourth round. So that would be a good combo to get. Let's talk about some position battles in the AFC East. The Dolphins. This is the sexiest position battle in all of football, Ryan. Hey, well, as you go through these, give me the over-unders again on the win totals. Uh, the, the Dolphins are five. Oh, boy. That's actually pretty good. I'm going under. Are we taking? Are we doing over under? Or are you just curious? No, I just want as we go through the the position <laughs> battle. I just I just want to have a have a starting point. Okay. Uh, so Dolphins I'm, over under is five, I believe. I'll check and see if the see what the West. That sounds about right. That's pretty good. Um, and the Dolphins is obvious. I mean, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. Oh boy. I mean, but that I mean, like that's who it is, right? Like that's 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 the battle. Fitzpatrick has to start. You think? So? I think I think so too. Because otherwise, Josh Rosen, we'll be tanking, talking tanking for Tua by the middle of September. You if think that so? team could talk to a slow start. If, if Josh Rosen starts? And they go 0-3 or whatever, and he throws him in. He, I know you love Devontae Parker. Kenny Stills <laughs> is, is fine, but he's not a game changer. Who else do they have? Like I also Bryce think that Clark? if you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's history, he's like he starts seasons yeah. off well. And so Last Tom, year, when um, James, James suspended. was suspended. Yeah. He was going crazy until he ran into that steamroller of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But other no, than that, no, no, but that, they almost they had the Steelers on the rails in, on the on Monday back. night. It was the um, it was the Bears game when they yanked him at halftime in Chicago because they were getting blown away by Chicago. Couldn't score any points and, and couldn't stop Mitchell MVP Trubisky. Um, right. And then that's when they were like, "All right, this is our window to put Jameis back in." So yeah, I mean, I would I would lean going Ryan Fitzpatrick because I think. If, if you were trying to assume, if you're, if you're going to assume that Josh Rosen is the future or want him to be the future, it's going to be difficult to start with Rosen and then go to Fitzpatrick. Like it's easier to start with Fitzpatrick. He stinks. You go to Rosen and then see how that works out. But, um, and I would just be surprised if Josh Rosen, who is not a journeyman yet, who is not a veteran, was able to come in and learn everything that Chad O'Shea, the new offensive coordinator of Miami, uh, was, was dishing out before Ryan Fitzpatrick can, you know, assimilate to all of that. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it's going to be yeah. easier for, for Fitzpatrick to go out there and look better than Rosen. No, I agree. The Dolphins used their first round pick on Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle to Clemson, who's a fantastic player, but, um, even with uh, Aaron Donald, you're not drafting a defensive guy, and he's going to change the face of your organization overnight. So he's uh, he makes a ton of sense where they picked him. They also have Xavier Howard, who I think is now the highest-paid cornerback, who's really good. They have Minka Fitzpatrick, last year's first-round pick. So the defense has a chance to be better. Charles Harris, the former first-round pick, has not done what he is supposed to do as, a, as an edge rusher, so maybe this year's different. But I don't have any reason to think he's suddenly going to turn into Khalil Mack. But um, this offense just—I mean, this team just has so many holes that it's hard to imagine them winning five football games. The, I mean, the over/under is juiced to the under at five, which is pretty rare in the NFL. They—they they do not expect the uh, the Dolphins to be very good, regardless of who plays in quarterback. Uh, one team that will be very good: the New England Patriots. They're over/under eleven, minus one twenty for the over. <laughs> but Ryan, there are questions about. The receiver position. We all know that Julian Edelman will be the main number one receiver. Um, I think it's, you know, you could ask questions about tight end too, but it stands to reason that Benjamin Watson and Matt Lacoste are the top two guys there. Uh, who knows how much will be involved in, in the actual passing game. But how, how do you think this slots out in terms of the second receiver position? Inkyo Harry is the first, uh, first round pick, the only receiver ever taken in the first round by Bill Belichick. Philip Dorsett, who they traded for after Edelman got hurt, swapped, uh, Jacoby Brisket, Jake Brisket and, um, and Philip Dorsett. Uh, they, they flipped them. 
And uh, you got Demarius Thomas, who they signed this offseason. I didn't know he was still on the team. My man, Jacoby Myers, who's really more of a slot guy at NC State. Yeah, he um, went undrafted, which uh, sort of surprised me. But yeah, so sure. he's got he's facing long odds. If he went undrafted and then trying to make the team in New England, maybe that's the best place to go as a wide receiver. But, you know, it starts with Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett. Dontrell Hinman, Braxton Berrios. a chance, yeah. yeah. And we've seen this team as long as – Tom Brady's there. They're they're pretty much fine. The running game is solid. The offensive line is solid. The defense should be fine. And I think as long as Tom Brady has you know two point five seconds to throw the ball, somebody will be open. It'll take Nikhil Harry uh, some time, I would imagine, to acclimate to the NFL. We're already reading those stories out of training camp. Hmm. Uh, I do wonder though. The Patriots historically don't have a great track record with drafting. Wide receivers. Where's Josh Gordon, by the way? What's his situation? Uh, he is would still need to apply, I believe, for oh. reinstatement. So, um, unlike so, uh, there's still buzz that he could end up g- getting back involved. I just think it's unlikely that we see uh, him. But uh, even if you have Edelman healthy, I mean, they got rid of the other Edelman who went to Detroit. What's his name? A little short fellow. Uh, Danny Amendola. Yeah, but he was so, with the he was with the Dolphins last year. Oh, he didn't play last year. <laughs> Did they lose? Other than Gronk, um, they've lost someone. Let me check real quick. Um, but anyway, I'm not worried about him. Is first of all, we've seen this story before. Second of all, they play in the world's worst division, so they can do that and no problems whatsoever. So Chris, they lost Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. To oh, the, to the Panthers. Who? Yeah, Cordero. Chris Hogan and Cordero Patterson. Right. Okay. Yeah. Hogan. That's the guy I was thinking yeah, Hogan, about. Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, all those more. all those white guys look the same. Um, <laughs> Dwayne Allen's gone, um, and then of course Trent Brown, Malcolm Brown, the defense, and then on defense they lost Claiborne and Flowers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I if I had to handicap this race, this battle, um, <laughs> I would say that, I mean, like like we pointed out, Joey Edelman is locked into that spot. Um, Philip Dorsett is unique enough in what he does. That I don't think that his, I mean, maybe his roster spot is in danger. I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but he's a burner. The, really the only guy they have on that team that can stretch the field. So I would anticipate, um, I can't imagine he loses his job. Yeah. I, and I would almost think that it comes down to how quickly can Inkiel Harry acclimate to this Patriots offensive system. And if he can do so, Will it spell doom for Demarius Thomas and Dontrell? I don't think Demarius Thomas is going to make the team. I would, I would, I would not think so either. So my guess would be that Inkiel Harry looks good enough in what they want him to do, which is, you know, cause he was a good route runner at Arizona State, that he can get out there and uh, be a red zone threat, that Demarius Thomas is, they move on from him, maybe move on from Dontrell Inman, and then you try to have a bunch of basically slot receivers in Inkiel Harry and pray that you get something out of the tight end position. Well, not only that, you can get something out of Rex Burkhead or out of James White. They drafted Damian Harris. You can catch out of the coming out of the backfield. They'll just mix it up. I mean, they'll they'll manage. They'll find a way. Josh Daniels can slam his key as um his uh clipboard down on the right side of the sidelines this time and be fine. Uh in Buffalo, I think we can make the case that the running back position is one What's the over under eight. Oh, uh, Buffalo, yeah. Uh no, it's up to seven. There's seven. It's seven? I yeah. like I like the over. It's been climbing. It's like might be seven and a half now. Um, yeah. The running back position is fascinating here. And I, I would also say that the offensive line is worth watching as well. Um, you know, they, they signed Quentin Span, They signed Mitch Morse. Um, you know, they brought in uh, Ty Nischke for depth. They drafted Cody Ford. 
Yeah. They have a lot of guys they brought in. So how that shakes out and how they can protect, uh, for Josh Allen is important. Receiver looks pretty kind of easy to figure out, I guess. I mean, Cole Beasley's a slot guy. Zay Jones, John Brown, Robert Foster will be battling for snaps. You know, I think those are the main guys. Um, and then, uh, running backs, LaShawn McCoy, the incumbent. Who, uh, Brandon Bean said is still very much a part of this team. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. So it's always a, a lovely, uh, endorsement. Devin Singletary, the third round rookie, Frank Gore, the ageless Frank Gore, and, There's uh, TJ, same age as, uh, what's the short stuff over there? Darren, Darren Sproles, yeah. And, uh, TJ Yeldon out of Jacksonville. Do you got, do you think those four guys, and they got a few more like Cinderash Perry, Marcus Murphy, and Christian Wade, but I mean, those are the four main guys. Do you think those four guys are complimentary enough that they can work together? Or do we see, um, Yeldon, Gore, maybe even Shady get cut? I wonder, I would imagine they would love to move on from Shady, but the, the cost might be prohib- prohibitive. I don't know what the rest of his contract looks like. And I he can't imagine. has, this is the final year of his deal. They would save, ooh, hello. They would save, uh, $6.4 million if they cut him in salary cap space. Oh, oh yeah. Well, he's done. Yeah. You're not keeping <laughs> four running backs. Devin Singletary is electric. He's undersized, but he, he would be a lot of fun playing behind Josh Allen. I think Frank Gore is reliable, workhorse type back. TJ Yeldon can do a little bit of both. I think he's only 26. So, yeah, there's no reason to keep Shady around. He's not the player he once was. In fact, if you look at his DVOA from 2018, he is literally next to last. The next to He was next to last in terms of uh, value per play among all running backs last year, and that's not something you want to pay a guy to make. I think he's making $8 million and change or something. He is making uh, 6.175 base salary, $9 million cap hit, uh, only two point six five six two five million in dead money if he's cut. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's a, that's done. A, yeah he's a good good unless he looks like old shady and he's gonna come out and play for a contract he could still make it. Yeah, but he's thirty one. You don't keep four running backs. Then you're just dumping guys that you could you're gonna need in, in four or five weeks. And Frank Gore is only two million. He's one point two five million uh, in in base salary. Two million in terms of a cap hit. So that's pretty cheap. Singletary third round. Rookie wage, you know, that's, that's dirt cheap. Uh, and then TJ Yeldon, I don't think is making much from the Can't bills. Be. Uh, yes, he is making, he signed a, uh, two year, $3.2 million deal. So you could, I mean, if you cut, if Shady looks like he's old and looks like he's going to be as slow as he was last year, you could cut him and you can, and then you can have Gore, Yeldon and Singletary and just hope that Singletary becomes a workhorse. And, and maybe Singletary is a, a, dar- a sleeper for, yeah, I don't know if he's a worker. He's so small. But um, Yeldon can – I mean, they can share carries. If they do whatever, 10, 10, 10. I mean, you're, you're, you're risking – if you go Yeldon, Gore, Singletary, that's not – it's not necessarily a feature-back situation. Do you have Josh no, but, Allen, though, who's a great running back? Well, <laughs> Sean McCoy, I'll repeat, was the second-worst running back in the NFL last year. Mm. Um. All right. In New York, the New York Jets are – I don't know if I'd call them interesting when you look at their their setup. We know who their quarterback is. We know over under six and a half, uh, seven and a half. What? It's the same as the Bills? Yep, that's higher than the Bills actually. That seems weird, doesn't it? Um, maybe. Let's see. I'll tell you that the 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 Jets. Where are the Jets? The Westgate does this by alphabetical order, but not with the actual alphabet. There. Uh, the Bills are seven over is minus one thirty, and. The Jets are seven and a half over is minus one ten. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, they could they could easily win eight games. Um, anyway, we know what they're basically know what their offense is going to look like. I think. I mean, it's Anderson, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa, Jameson Crowder at, at the receiver position. Uh, Chris Herndon suspended now for the tight end spot, so they have to figure something out there. Darnold and Le'Veon Bell are, are in the backfield. Uh, I think you make a case that the biggest possible um, position battle here will be in terms of pass rushers, right? Uh, in Greg Williams' scheme. Leonard Williams, Quentin Williams, and Henry Anderson on the inside. You know, you, we know who their linebackers are with Mosley and, and every and every Williamson. But I mean, if you know, who's going to be? Are they going to be running a four three, or is it going to be more of a three four? Uh, what are they going to do in terms? Is it just maybe it'll just be a hybrid thing? Are they going to have like is Jakai Polite going to going to press for snaps? Brandon Copeland. I mean, they don't they don't have a great answer at pass rusher, and they haven't no. really for a long time. They do not. I think Jordan Jenkins was tied for the lead the lead team lead last year in sacks and it might have been something like four i'm just going off the top of my head um yeah jakai polite is a four three defensive end he's listed as outside linebacker uh he is not an outside linebacker so they'll have to figure that out that's just a sort of a scheme issue i'm, I'm sure that um uh clowny would, would love to have that distinction sorted out too but yeah so quentin williams can rush from the inside so that's huge yeah so it doesn't necessarily have to be an outside line uh outside rush situation but you still need to get that sorted out and um I, I think part of the the win totals, the seven and a half, has a lot to do with Greg Williams being a defensive coordinator. So there there is something to that. But we'll see. We'll see what he can do with this team. I mean, Jamal Adams is legit, Avery Williamson is legit. They have athletes um on this defense. Quentin Williams is one of the best athletes uh on this team, I bet. CJ Mosley they signed to an ungodly amount of money. I don't know if he's worth it, but that's where we're at. So maybe the defense is going to be expected to carry the load while they sort of find their footing offensively with Adam Case and seeing what Le'Veon Bell is like and all that. They had seven players that had between three and seven sacks last year. I mean, it just uh, okay. And one of those is Jamal Adams, who had three and a half. Avery Williamson so, had uh, had three. Um, you know, Jeremiah Tachu had two. I mean, you know, this is just not. Did Jenkins have seven then? Yeah, Jenkins had seven. Oh. Henry oh. Anderson had seven. Leonard gotcha. Williams had five. Brandon Copeland had five. Uh, and then frankly, Lou, Frankie Louvu had three as well. So if Greg Williams can coach up this position, then this Jets defense can be a real, real position of strength. I mean, you know, or a real, you know, a real strong unit. I would say that that looks like the biggest question mark slash battle area coming into camp. Um, just how that front seven or front six, as Aaron Schatz has pointed out, uh, is, is actually going to hold up. All right. Uh, any more thoughts on the AFC East? I bet the Patriots win it. Yeah, the Patriots are going to win it. Um, Eleven. Are they going to go over? Uh, I would take. I would. Don't take the under on Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I'm taking the under. That's a fool's foolish maneuver to take the under. Do you think ten and six? No, nah, they're not. I mean, they're playing that crappy division. That's it's five and one. Worst case, right there. Who's All the right. second best team in this division? The Bills. I want to say, but maybe Jets can do something. I mean, don't forget, every year Adam Gase goes seven and nine. <laughs> <laughs> so if he can just win two more games, he'll he'll be right there. Uh, all right, we're going to get out of here. We'll do more training camp battles as training camps pick up this week. Heading uh, heading into Tuesday. Talk to you guys tomorrow.